Hey everyone and welcome back to the Manufacturing Podcast. Today we are joined by Prakpa Shetty, the Global Head of Digital Manufacturing at LMT Technology Services. He gives us amazing insights on modernising the manufacturing sector, the solutions that LTTS offer to help businesses adopt digital interventions and much more. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn at Manufacturing Global and enjoy the episode. Hi, Prabhaka. How are you doing? Hey, hi. Morning. Nice to, it's nice to speak to you. Um, you know, and uh, as a way of, I guess, introducing yourself, can you tell me a little bit about you and your career journey to where you find yourself today at LTTS? Uh, I've been working for over three decades, to be precise, about 32 years. Uh, primarily, my uh, work areas have been around manufacturing and supply chain. I've been also part of product development uh, across multiple verticals. Uh, I've done consulting, I've done uh, application implementation projects which are global in nature. I've seen two waves of digital. Uh, one, which happened about five to six years back, what we popularly called as CAMS, Cloud, Analytics, Mobile, and Social Media, which was more to do with what we call as the customer side data analysis. Uh, then what is happening today, which is more data driven coming from integration of the organization functions on and so forth. I have been uh, looking at, I would say, various roles, right from R&D, manufacturing, service, and I've been also part of a successful startup. Uh, I've been fortunate to be uh, working for three of the most respected and largest conglomerates in India, Gautrej, ITC, and now LNG. Uh, three and a half years back, uh, I joined LNG when LNG was embarking on a journey to identify what are the opportunities that can be exploited with the digital explosion. How will digital be relevant for a company like LTTS, which is more on the product design and manufacturing side. Uh, So I was given the task of building what we call as a business group, which is named Digital Manufacturing Services. And uh, uh, we have built a lot of, I would say, uh, solutions, competencies, and skill sets, uh, which helped LTTS achieve this objective of being a major player in the digital transformation uh, landscape. Can you, can, you, can you describe LTTS to me? Um, what, what sets it apart from its competitors and really differentiates itself? Uh, LTTS uh, is a services and consulting uh, major which operates in an area popularly called as engineering services or what we call as ERD services. It's the largest uh, player in this segment based out of India and uh, probably the fastest to reach the revenue numbers what we are today. Okay, We have done this under a decade. Uh, we are a part of uh, a large conglomerate called as LNG, uh, which is the uh, what we call as the uh, engineering doing or engineering uh, the engineering company for India, uh, with interest across manufacturing, uh, construction, infrastructure, uh, heavy engineering, defense, finance, services, on and so forth. But most important is the company carries huge legacy in core engineering, which is what is the DNA we carry into LTTS, uh, which is reflected in the uh, work we we do, the way we do work. Uh, the way we interact with customers, we have got about 500 plus patents, part of them our own and part jointly with customers, uh, which respects the deep expertise we have in terms of not only designing products, but also the supporting technology. Uh, as a company, 
we look at design we look at engineering we look at manufacturing we also look at the aftermarket services for customers uh, we we deliver all this by leveraging new age technology like whether it is analytics robotics uh, uh, whether it is the digital twin autonomous cars the 5g across the board uh, we try to bring the confluence of all this knowledge together to the solutions and the services we deliver uh, in simple terms uh, we touch human lives right from the time a person gets up in the morning to going to bed uh, in the night lovely thank you very much for that um, and in terms of the manufacturing industry generally what do you feel that it looks like today in, in, in 2020 really how has it changed over the past few years through the evolution of technology and, and digital transformation to understand some of the i would say challenges or the advances in the industry uh, probably we can step back to about two decades history of this whole journey if you if you look at about two decades back most of the industries were uh, looking at process improvements through bpr initiatives uh, the whole idea being one globalization second how do you ensure that the processes are as efficient and lean as possible then came a next phase uh, where we all uh, called it as the erp phase where everybody wanted to implement erp to ensure that most of these processes which are done in the bpr phase were uh, sort of automated through enterprise resource uh, process applications uh, then came a i would say intermediate phase where Though ERP was managing the operations, when the volume of business grew, when it becomes much more global diversity in terms of different products, it gave birth to what we call as niche interventions around core supply chain area, core processes. Like for example, adoption of customized application for sourcing, adoption of application for sales management, adoption of application for different areas in factory planning, production scheduling, so on and so forth. And it also brought in the era where most of these applications had a clear-cut business objective to meet. So that I would say as the 2.5 phase of BPR plus ERP. Uh, then came an era where uh, uh, when the digital technology started sort of cropping up, dime a dozen, uh, everybody started jumping into the technology bandwagon and a lot of technology adoption happened. Uh, it could be technology mostly for analytics, uh, because if you look at the core manufacturing itself, I think it took some time for the OT architecture to evolve and align with what we call as the IT layer. Of course, uh, now if you look at today's uh, context, uh, one, we have much more complex products other than the challenges which existed earlier. Uh, you got products which are like very intelligent, they got a mechanical component, electrical component, software component, products can talk to each other. So when you have an ecosystem like this, and a big shift is happening in terms of the core, I would say what we call as OT or the manufacturing architecture itself. I think that's where the world is today. Uh, the whole, I would say the interventions or projects or ideas or strategies are moving around how to harness the data coming out of the shop floor, how to harness the data coming out of the products, how to harness the data coming out of various collaboration of functions. So those are the four or five broad categories I would sort of uh, uh, split this whole 20 years of manufacture. Um, moving on to the, uh, to the next point, um, 
you know, particularly pandemics, moving on to that of, of COVID-19, what is your view on ability of global organizations to manage unpredictable dis disruptions like the one that we're currently in today? Good questions. Uh, because if you look at most of the planning in terms of managing disruptions, or what I call it the traditional way of approaching the planning, uh, it has been to address foreseeable events, what we call as unknown unknowns. Okay? It could be uh, transportation issues, logistic issues, some uh, disruption due to power, political disturbances, so on and so forth. But what is not really addressed is the risk and the kind of disruption that can happen because of the unknown unknowns. Like it could be a tsunami, it could be a pandemic, because the earlier instance, you probably could forecast the occurrence of such events. Those are predictable events, but you can't forecast the occurrence of a tsunami or a pandemic. I think there is a huge gap, which is very evident uh, by the way the industry is suffering today. Uh, the ability of most of the companies to understand plan for such unforeseen events. So I think uh, the approach has to be totally different. Uh, the traditional approach of, uh, I would say, uh, looking at static planning might not work. Uh, one of the recommendation is like, uh, if you look at, uh, there's a lot of research done by uh, Harvard Business School, is you break your business into different nodes. And each of these nodes, you build into a mathematical model so that you can assess the impact of the failure from two standpoints. One is what is the financial impact and what is the operational impact. So in the modeling uh, phase, you can sort of pull out a node and see what is going to be the impact. Rather than trying to predict the occurrence of a uh, event or a pandemic, you plan for disruption if one of these nodes go down. It, it could be any of those nodes, right? And it could be any of the reasons. Based on this, uh, you can put up an approach where we, which could be a three or four phase approach. One, you need to have a crisis management team, which most of the companies had. Second is, uh, how do you identify the risk associated? Not only one I said, it's a node structure. Uh, for example, most of the companies plan for, I would say, high cost uh, or strategic commodities. But, they miss out on planning for low cost, I would say commodity kind of objects. But many of those components can, if they're not available in time, can lead to massive disruption in terms of production. It can bring uh, production to a standstill. Third is obviously you have to, uh, when you do this node analysis, you have to also look at how will you sort of assess the impact of not only failure of certain nodes or plants or, uh, or what I would say facilities, uh, but it could also be like, for example, uh, certain parts. Okay. How will failure or non-availability of certain parts during such situation can lead to customer impact because uh, it, it might be limited to a geo, it might be limited to a customer segment. So summary is, I think there is a definite need to go back to uh, reviewing what is the readiness and what is the kind of response organization need to plan for such unforeseen events? Lovely. Um, and in terms of the future, what do you think that that looks like uh, from the point of view of Industry 4.0? Why is it so important to scale digital now? Again, like I said, the manufacturing industry has gone through a journey of its own in the last two decades. But the fact also remains is that 
uh, if you look at some of the industries like industrial products transportation or the old brick and mortar industries they still have a distance to go in terms of modernizing their infrastructure now why do you need to modernize simply because we are talking about exploiting digital technologies or digital uh, the benefits of digital technology you need to have your infrastructure whether it is your hard infrastructure the machines everything in line with your technology interventions that's one challenge so they had to start right from relooking at their plants their assets their machines their control systems on and so forth uh, second when they started looking at digital i think everybody did a rush in terms of throwing in a lot of technology in there okay whether it is ai or analytics or any other so called what i call as the uh, good looking technical gizmos there but this was done with very poor due diligence in terms of how does it really impact their processes their operations what is the kind of roi one of the elements which most of these companies missed is user participation okay uh, they didn't involve the actual stakeholders like for example if they are trying to do something which is going to analyze plant performance it's very important that you take your plant manager your maintenance in charge or anybody who is managing the shift or for that matter take input from your workers too if you don't do that okay you might have a good pilot uh, but the adoption of that and uh, acceptance of that down the line is so weak this leads to very very poor uh, i would say technology implementation most of the reasons like when we when we did a survey we found that about 54% of our customers definitely went into digital interventions but hardly 9% of them could scale from pilot to actual enterprise level adoption so that's the reason we feel that uh, there is a change in approach like the traditional what i call that uh, industry for approach will not work we need to address these gaps in terms of how do you define a clear objective or a roi by identifying proper use cases when we detail out the use cases how do you ensure that the stakeholders down the line are participating if you don't do that like one of the challenges we found in the earlier industry for adoption was there is a huge confusion in terms of what are people's role going to be once this technology is developed there is a lot of insecurity in terms of obvious things like job losses and skill uh, gaps on and so forth that's the reason if you are able to include them in the initial detailing or design phases uh things will be really good in terms of one you got the real stakeholders giving you the right inputs they will own the solution that's logical right it, it's people mentality okay uh, so that's the reason what we have done is we have built a set of tools techniques and frameworks uh, which will address these gaps and also ensure that digital technology interventions whatever you call digital technology industry for connected manufacturing projects are far more successful so one as i said it's about identifying the right use case roi and ensuring that the business case is well baked second participation of the stakeholders using design thinking kind of methods then when you move into the execution we we picked up a lot of ideas from the software methods like agile where rather than do a big bang approach take it in a phased manner okay and make it far more iterative as soon as you build something go back to the stakeholder ask him to try test it out that way what happens is even if you have any kind of errors or mistakes happening you fix it 
and the participation level which which is a critical element in manufacturing initiatives really goes up once you have at least some elements of the project or the technology interventions up and running deploy them don't wait for the entire project to be up and running that way what happens is when people see successes people see outcomes of the requirement which they are defined the adoption and probably the word of mouth publicity really helps in subsequent phase of adoption and scaling of this initiative so that's where uh, we feel that this needs a different approach uh, that is also the reason why we launched a initiative called as industry 4.0 now which is a lts uh, specific methodology for running such projects and in terms of um, your initiative at LTTS for, for helping manufacturers rebound from the current situation, can you talk to me a little bit about that? If you really look at uh, the post-COVID scenario, I think there is, uh, this is something which was unprecedented. Nobody could foresee this since they couldn't foresee the reactions were probably uh, I would say knee-jerk or most of the time people were at a standstill in terms of thinking goals. So obviously this means that uh, there is a huge disruption in, in terms of your entire supply chain. It also meant that how do you look at your limited, whether it is capital, assets, uh, the amount of people who could get into action, uh, the ability to sort of move people around, your demand management, like for example, certain industries had a spike in demand, whereas most of the industries because of economic slowdown, saw a huge drop in the demand. In this kind of scenario, uh, how do you help customers? Because there's no precedence, there's no benchmark, there's no framework for a situation like this. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, pandemic planning has to be entirely different. With this in mind, uh, we, we launched a program called as Frugal Manufacturing. This is nothing but a set of ideas and methodologies which are very agile in nature, which can be deployed very quickly, and they're very lean, okay? Because when you have uh, the constraints what we have in a pandemic situation, you cannot have elaborate, I would say, consulting or advisory or a technology intervention. Something has to be very quick. It could be rolled out as soon as possible. That's a need of the hour, okay? What we are trying to address here is, uh, in such scenarios, what does the business need to do? There are two or three elements we are looking at. One, people need to have design flexibility because your standard products might not sell. You might have to relook at either changing the components or parts of the design itself or changing the entire product itself. You'd have seen that a lot of companies which are not into medical products like automobile companies trying to do ventilators on and so forth. So there's definitely a need in terms of really looking at the design. Second is manufacturing operation flexibility. That means how can you quickly change from one product to another? How do you quickly look at changing your manufacturing facilities when you don't have the right set of raw materials, alternate raw materials coming in? How do you look at different assembly configurations, so on and so forth? And also move up slightly uh, on the strategic uh, scale and study that or, or address the challenge of manufacturing line itself. How do you look at repurposing your manufacturing? And like I mentioned, if you want to manufacture entirely a different product, how do you quickly align your manufacturing line to that? If you have a demand spike, how do you look at line expansion? Okay, 
So these are the three primary criteria around which we built our response. We also thought that uh, the time frame, like of this frugal interventions, had to be on three planes. One is, as I said, we have a human uh, situation where uh, you need social distancing, so minimum people can get in. Second is, how do you respond to this situation? As I said, either this could be the three main uh, design, manufacturing, and process flexibility. And third is, we also believe that once pandemic is over, uh, the whole uh, idea of how are we going to design products, how are we going to interact with customers, how are we going to manufacture products, everything is going to change. There is going to be a shift in paradigm which will be unprecedented. So how do you help customers be ready for that kind of shift, what we call as the new world order? Okay. So with this in mind, uh, we put together what we call as six tracks of Google, okay, which broadly address the first track is, like I mentioned, is addressing manufacturing repurposing. We call it a line build, line transfer, line expansion. Second is addressing totally how do you look at design in a time like this? How do you do lean, quick design? What is the technology required for that? Uh, we, for example, we built a uh, pre-built PLM, uh, which customers could adopt in two weeks' time. Okay. Third is how do you look at the entire supply chain itself? Obviously, today's uh, major impact is on the primary side in terms if your partners, sourcing uh, vendors, not being able to supply the required materials for you. So we have sort of tried to figure out what are the ideas and models that can help our customers minimize that disruption. The third and fourth element is more to do with how do you look at manufacturing operation itself? Like I mentioned, how do you look at flexible processes? How do you look at managing this assets or plants remotely because when you have limited manpower you can't visit a plant how do you ensure that you still have a plant which is up and running and last but not the least as i said we we still have a people element when you have limited people new processes new designs coming in how do you ensure that the workforce aspect of training people adapting people to these new ideas can be implemented so these are the six tracks uh, which we are sort of gone to our customer with so that they can move out of the current situation as soon as possible with minimum damage and get back to business as usual at the earliest. Lovely, thank you for walking me through that. Um, and what about an overview of some of the solutions you offer at LTTS generally? We, we spoke about Industry 4 and the approach we are taking at Industry 4.now. And uh, one of the challenges I said is most of the companies are stuck in what we call as entanglement in pilot phenomena okay uh, so what we thought is one as i said earlier we need a proper roadmap with roi people intervention and a project plan to execute in an agile manner how do you expedite or how do you help people on this journey to move faster so what we thought is uh, can we have some building blocks okay which people can sort of plug in and sort of be up and running fast. That's the reason we developed some of these solutions. Like I'll give you an example. We've got a solution called Design for Excellence. This is a solution uh, which manages engineering change, design changes very effectively because uh, one of the largest waste of time, cost and money uh, effort happens uh, because of the design change iteration between manufacturing and the design team. This solution addresses that in terms of ensuring consistency, ensuring that the best practices or 
uh, what we call is the persona mapping. If some design engineer has minimum errors, can we sort of shift whatever knowledge he's doing to all other design engineers? How do you ensure that design for assembly or design for manufacturing is taken care of? This has about 170 checks, cutting across sheet metal, molding, casting, so on and so forth. So second solution is like, for example, uh, we are relooked at the entire concept of OED. If you look at operation uh, efficiency. Uh, so we have taken all the three critical parameters of availability, performance, and quality, and put it on a framework which can run on any of the control system technologies. Because the biggest challenge in uh, manufacturing today is uh, you don't have uniformity. Like you will have PLCs from probably five companies from Rockwell, ABB, Siemens, LG, so on and so forth. So we have built this OED mechanism uh, which runs on multiple technology, uh, which is far more, I would say, uh, real time and gives feedback. Uh, similarly, we have built an energy management solution. Now, why energy management? I think uh, environmental and sustainability norms have become far more, I think people have become more aware of that. Second, legislations mandate compliance to these norms. So we have built a solution on what we call as ISO 5001 norm, which is for energy management where you can baseline your energy, you can track your energy consumption, which could be water, gas, electricity, whatever it is. And you can also ensure that you are able to audit it. Because if you want to address compliance and legislation, audit becomes important. Once you audit, you can identify the non-compliances. We also added an element of converting this non-compliance into what we call as cost-saving projects, process improvement projects. And this solution, again, as I said earlier, can run on whatever kind of control systems you have. Because one of the challenges is uh, you need different energy manager, energy meters to uh, sort of really sense data. So we are trying to minimize the cost element by, of that by uh, ensuring that this also picks up data from your plant control systems. Similarly, we have built a solution uh, which we have sort of launched with the uh, global uh, uh, top two beverage companies, uh, which we call as paperless factory. Okay. We also see a shift from companies moving from using the traditional enterprise application to building their own, I would say, customized micro app based kind of solution. So this is an example of that, uh, where when we say paperless, what we did is any operation where an individual spends more than say 30 minutes in a day, can it be digitized so that everything is done uh, without a paper, without a checklist? Similarly, how do you do digital workflows for what we call as labor management, whether it is shift change, checklist, instructions, so on and so forth. Collaboration between departments. At the next phase, we are also trying to add functionalities of traditional shop floor processes, which is usually done in MSA application like quality management, dispatch management, tracking, and so on and so forth. And this is built on a totally newest technology where the current solution is built on PTC ThingWorks uh, because we want to leverage the analytical capabilities, the connectivity capabilities, the collaboration capabilities of such platforms. So we are, we are giving it totally different look in terms of what are the kind of solutions uh, which will help people adopt digital interventions, which will also help them in terms of transforming their business. Thank you for that. Um, and, and tell me a little bit more about the cloud. Where does where does that fit into into that? And do you believe that the time has arrived for manufacturers to cloudify their landscape 
across IT, OT, and, and ET? One of the outcomes of COVID pandemic is serious relook at the cloud strategy itself. Uh, earlier, if you look at cloud, uh, the cloud discussion came in only from a commercial standpoint. People said, okay, if you want to move from CapEx to OpEx, probably we should adopt cloud. If you want some lightweight applications, not the core applications, probably they become candidate for cloud. But one thing that COVID taught people is that disruption is not only in your manufacturing, you and your technology setup get disrupted if it is in premise. If most of these applications are in cloud, the impact of disruption is far more minimal. That's the reason uh, we, we probably expect a 50 to 60% jump in cloud adoption. And second, even the core applications, design applications, manufacturing applications will go on cloud. So uh, now when you come to cloud, uh, there are a few elements we need to be aware of. One, how do you consume? How do you use or consume technology will radically change. This is not going to be uh, heavy duty features. He's going to use transactional features. It has to be light, uh, very less interaction. Implementation models will change. We, are, we, we, we cannot afford five month a consulting study to do the requirement analysis, then configuration, then testing. People who will look at something which is quickly up and running, they would want to sort of try it first, use it and then buy it. At best, you do minimal customization. That means most of the applications which go on cloud has to be pre-built. From a LTT standpoint, uh, since we, we have been sort of doing some deep analysis and I would say work around industry for the digital technologies, the manufacturing technologies, the IT, OT, analytics part, we feel that the cloud system architecture will be divided probably into four or five layers, okay? One is your processes itself, the ground level processes. On top of that, you'll have the foundation layer, which is generating data. That could be a control system, the PLCs, the HMI, so on and so forth. You move one layer up, that's where your applications will reside, whether it is your PLM or MES or any of the applications which will be used for driving function. Next is the most important layer is the experience layer. This is a layer where the user will be interacting with the system. This is where cloud will make a difference. Uh, as I said, people would want to see a very contextual screen, contextual application which is relevant to them. They wouldn't want to do a elaborate training on an ERP application, which is generic in nature or a supply chain application. They want to see something which is very relevant to that moment, that particular process. So that's where we are thinking of building this experience layer where we will place most of the solutions which we discussed earlier. And obviously once you have all this in place, then comes cognition. Uh, rather than talk about the AI analytics, I would rather say cognition is important. The outcome of analytics is more critical than just throwing some good uh, money into, uh, I would say, costly technology in analytics, AI, and digital team. That's why we name it cognition. So we, we would see cloud being entirely different. So the organizations using cloud and the organization trying to sort of implement cloud technologies also had to rethink in terms of how this is going to work. How are they going to implement that? This will also mean that the ecosystems uh, will also get, I would say, sharply defined, right? If you look at three critical elements will be there. One is the infrastructure, that's a technology in terms of hardware, the operating system and the database, uh, which will be provided by, I would foresee the three major players, Amazon, Google and Microsoft as well. Next layer will be the enterprise application, 
in our case since we deal more with engineering and design it will be the dassault ptc siemens abb rockwells of the world on top of that is where people like us sit in who see a wider view of the organization of integration of processes and our solutions so on and so forth so i would say customer will focus more on the top layer he would want to treat the lower two layers as black boxes that's where people like us companies like us can differentiate cool and 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 in terms of um this when when you're seeking to establish a business relationship what do you feel makes a good partner what do you really look for when you look at the value chain today okay what is impacting it the most it's a rapidly changing business model and the technology upgradations or the new technologies which are coming in okay in a world like this uh, you can't do everything yourself okay so you need to have various ecosystem partners and traditionally people felt partners means only technology partners okay uh, second as i said earlier today's customers would want to look at one partner who can look at the entire value chain you wouldn't want to get into the details of what is underneath the hood so that's where uh, uh, like like i said players like entities have a role to play being the uh, entities which will hold the value chain together then they will have to work with diverse partners these partners could be like i said technology partners application partners infrastructure partners most important it could be partners for fabrication it could be partners for prototype manufacturing it could be partners for process consulting so you learn to bring a collage of ecosystem partners together but the most important element is uh, this partners cannot be intermediaries when i say intermediaries they should have a direct stake and they should be aligned in terms of the end goal for this value chain which will serve customers out say strategies or customer objective in terms of his business goals and um and finally what do you feel like the next few years will hold um at ltts like i said last 5 years a uh, lot of things have changed and most of these changes have happened due to right technology has become cheaper customers have become more agile in terms of adopting technology they adopted faster when i say customers 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 products have become complex because you have hardware element software element mechanical element and so on and so forth you got intelligent products which speak to each other so when you have a ecosystem like this uh, you need skill sets and competencies which cut across the board right from a product design to how to manufacture the product how to sort of converse make that product converse with the end customer uh, that's where i feel ltts which has built this capabilities which is across the board across the line function from design to manufacturing and aftermarket and also our ability to bring lot of partners together to build what we call as value added solutions or value additions to end customers and transform their business model it is important so i would say that we are poised we are at inflection point of a i would say explosive growth um right okay well thank you very much again for your time and i'll uh, i'll be in touch soon thank, thank you very much sir thanks